Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. As I'm sitting up here and watching people on the street go by with their umbrellas, I am reminded of what my friend John said many years ago. He was the first clerk of session I ever worked with. He said, Patrick, Presbyterians are only afraid of two things, the front pew and rain. And I'm glad that you're not afraid of rain. Today we embark on a six-week study of the book of Galatians. We begin with Galatians 1, verse numbered 1. Listen once again to the word of God. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are here with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you think it's possible that the Apostle Paul might have had some Chinese DNA? I'm wondering if Paul might have been somewhat Chinese. Uh, Ten years ago or so, a powerful nor'easter blew up the eastern seaboard. We were living in Pennsylvania. We were left unscathed. Uh, Didn't touch us. But it deposited about two feet of snow here in New York City. A couple of days later, Deb and I were both off, and she woke up that morning and said to me, Patrick, let's drive into the city. I said, what? Let's drive into the city today. It'll be beautiful. We can go to the city and see the snow. I said, honey, honey, they've just had two feet of snow. They've had a blizzard. Patrick, it's New York City. They've been working round the clock to clear the streets. We will be fine. My wife has had many great ideas. This was not one of them. We both agree with this now. Our drive through New Jersey went fine. No problem whatsoever. Uh, Through the tunnel, through the Lincoln Tunnel, we were fine. But as we came up out of the Lincoln Tunnel, um, there was snow everywhere. That formerly white stuff was piled up many, many feet. And in fits and starts, slips and slides, we made our way through Chinatown. Snowblowers were going down the road, throwing the snow over onto the sidewalk, and the merchants were getting their shovels and shoveling it back onto the road. I'm like, where am I? What, what, what is going on? It, um, it, was, it was not a good idea. We were trying to make our way down to the South Street Seaport, and as I, as I said, we were going through Chinatown. We came to a red light, and I stopped. I was driving, of course. 
the light turned green. And when the light turned green, what did the driver behind me do? Haw the horn. But I couldn't budge. There was an elderly Chinese couple crossing the road very, very slowly. Uh, he looked to be about 95, and she was much younger, about 94. Uh, with their canes, they were plodding and very carefully going so as not to slip on the ice on the roadway. And then, what did the driver behind me do again? Hawk the horn. And now the gentleman, the Chinese gentleman, stopped. He had been stooped over with age. He stopped, stood up straight, got his cane, pointed it straight at the car and said, you shut up! Put his cane down and then slowly made his way to the other side. I love that gentleman. I wish I knew who he was. I would love to go back and see him again. And after hearing that story, maybe some of you now can understand why I think the Apostle Paul might have had some Chinese DNA. At least if we listen closely to the book of Galatians. In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul calls them saintly saints, and he's very sarcastic. In his letter to the church in Philippi, he says, I thank God every time I remember you, praying constantly for you. Paul is giddy with joy and love for those in Philippi. But when he writes to the Galatians, he gives the ordinary greeting, Paul, to you, but then he omits his typical prayer of thanksgiving. And instead, this is what he says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let that one be a curse. Paul is not sarcastic and he's not giddy with love. What is Paul in his letter to the Galatians? He is angry. He is agitated. He is frustrated. He is furious. Now, what's going on? Paul is writing to a group of churches in what we today call Turkey. They had been infiltrated and influenced by some outside agitators. These troublemakers seduced these congregations into believing that to be faithful, to be a true Christian, they first had to become Jewish and the men had to be circumcised. The Galatians were Gentiles. They had been baptized. They loved Jesus. But now these super-Christian types were telling them, no, 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 you, you, you don't really belong. You, you, you don't really count. You're not a true Christian. You just don't fit in. And Paul is furious at this assault on and perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of affirming that in Christ we all belong to God, the agitators and troublemakers 
had convinced them that they didn't measure up and that they were indeed outsiders. No, Paul says, no, that's not right. How could you desert the gospel so quickly? Why are you turning away from grace? If anyone ever tells you that in Christ you don't belong, that you're not accepted, let that person be accursed. And Paul is so stirred up, he repeats it. Again, I will say, if anyone ever tells you that in Jesus Christ you don't belong, let that person be accursed. He, Paul is passionate. He is passionate about the gospel of Christ. As a matter of fact, in these few verses, Paul uses a form of the word gospel five times. And Paul is also passionate about these Galatian congregations. He deeply cares for them. He has experienced firsthand the gift of their hospitality. When he had fallen ill on a previous trip through Turkey, these same people took him in and cared for him. They welcomed him, an outsider, and treated him like an insider. They demonstrated exceptional warmth and openness and compassion. He knows their heart. He has experienced the power of their love and acceptance. So no wonder he is upset. No wonder he is so angry and disappointed. He cares for them. In one congregation I served, I got to know a woman by the name of Elizabeth very, very well. She was the one who walked out after every service, shook my hand, looked me in the eye and said, Patrick, that was a good sermon. Even those Sundays when I fell asleep during the sermon, she would walk outside and say, Patrick, that was a good sermon. She invited me over to have dinner with her and her family on many, many occasions with her, her family, her, her children, her grandchildren. And we would gather and we would laugh and we would tell stories and we just loved being together. One day after church, we were enjoying dinner together and the subject of a full moon came up. And we each noticed something about, uh, it would be nice to see how the radiance of the moon illumines the night sky. And then Elizabeth said, and she was serious, you know, black people act strange when there's a full moon. Oh, and my heart sank. I could not believe my ears. How could she believe this? This woman who was so sweet and so caring and so loving, who had such a passion for hospitality. How? You of all people, Elizabeth, how could you think this? When Paul hears what is going on in the churches in Galatia, his heart also sank. Of all people, it was the Galatians who were now drawing a line between Christian and super-Christian, insider and outsider. It was the Galatians who had embraced him and loved him, who had fallen into the old trap of putting people into categories. It was the Galatians who were minimizing the love and grace of Jesus Christ, it, it, it was the Galatians who resorted to hazing those who were new 
to the faith of, no, 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 no. Uh, you're not Jewish, you don't fit in. Paul gets so angry because Paul is so hurt and disappointed that over in the fifth chapter, he writes something that I suspect he wanted to go back and erase, but he must have run out of whiteout. He says, I wish that those who are agitating you would castrate themselves. Paul is sad. He's disappointed. He's crushed that these people he loves could be so judgmental and exclusive and that they could so easily be seduced by a perversion of the gospel. The Apostle Paul does not and will not tolerate any bully. Bullies who push people away or push people down or push people out. No, 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 no. You're not conservative enough. You don't fit in. No, 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 no. You're not progressive enough. You don't fit in. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not straight enough. You don't really fit in. Oh, no, no, no. You're not normal enough. You don't fit in. No, 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 you're, you're not white enough. You don't fit in. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry, you're single? You're divorced? We're a family church. We talk about families all the time here. You, you see, you, you really don't fit in. Oh, I'm sorry, you have a mental illness? Mm. You just don't fit in. Oh, you don't look like me. You don't sound like me. You don't believe like me. Sorry. You just don't fit in. And to this, Paul picks up his cane of biblical apostolic authority, points it to the Galatians, and says, You shut up. You're wrong. Because in Jesus Christ, we are one. And we are together. You do fit in, Paul wants us to know. And it's not because of your gender or your social status or your religious heritage. You fit in not because of your family tree or your tribe or your clan. You fit in not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. That's why we fit in. In our baptisms, this is where we fit in. In our baptisms, we are all made one in Jesus Christ. About five years ago, I was in a Starbucks, um, tapping furiously away on my iPad. I had my favorite beverage with me, chai. And I was writing a book about the church. After working for a while, I came up for air, looked around, and there was a woman beside me also working on her laptop. I wanted to take a break, so I interrupted her. Uh, excuse me, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working. I'm a property manager, and I've got some paperwork to do. Oh, great. Uh, what are you doing, she asked. Oh, well, I'm trying to write a little book about church. Hmm. She gave me a strange kind of look. 
Turned out she had two young children and she was about to leave to go chaperone an event at their school. I said to her, but before you leave, may I ask you a question? Sure, she said, sure. I said, I'm writing this book about church. When you hear the phrase Christian service, what comes to mind? She said, what do you mean by Christian service? And thinking she did not want me to read the chapter I was working on, I said simply, uh, reaching out to other people. Oh, she said. Well, I'm not comfortable with that at all. What do you mean? Well, she said, I grew up in the church. And I went to a church-sponsored school. And I heard about Christ, and I heard about love, and I heard about grace. But when my 12-year-old classmate got pregnant, they ostracized her and ridiculed her and expelled her. And she looked at me and she said, what's Christian about that? I had no answer, of course. She continued. She said, when I talk with my Christian friends, they are so judgmental and so exclusive. They complain about Syrian refugees and they complain about addicts, but my non-Christian friends, they'll do anything for anyone. And even now they are working to help other people. So no, no, she said, I, I'll never go back again to the church. Paul wants us to know that in Jesus Christ, through our baptisms, we are all united. And that in this community, there is no room for judgmentalism or condescension. So my question for you is, as I asked last week, how might we be a friend to the city? How might we here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church communicate this good news to our neighbors? Poll after poll after poll shows that most of the world out there associates being in a church with being exclusive and judgmental. And yet, I know, I know from being with you that that is not the case in this church. I know from my what, 15, 16 months with you that we, you are a congregation that opens up your arms and wants everyone to come regardless of their background, regardless of their social status. You want everyone to be here. That goes back in your DNA for a hundred years to go, well, you know, over to the east side, on the other side of Park Avenue, and bring people in. How might we communicate to our neighbors that here, in Jesus Christ, everyone, everyone, as well.